The Productive Woman, Episode 408. Hello and welcome to this episode of The Productive Woman. My name is Laura McClellan and this is a podcast about productivity for busy women. My goal is to help you find the tools and encouragement you need to manage your time, life, stress, and stuff so you can accomplish the things you care about most and make a life that matters. Well, thank you for joining me and welcome. This week, we're going to talk about doing it all versus doing enough. You'll find links to some resources that you might find helpful and some additional information all in the show notes for this episode at theproductivewoman.com slash 408. This episode is brought to you by Calm. If you're like a lot of women, including me, your day is filled with a lot of to-dos, work tasks, laundry, emails, errands, cooking dinner, helping the kids with the homework, and before you know it, you're preparing to do it all again tomorrow. When is there time to focus on what you need? Well, with Calm, you can prioritize what might be your most important to do, which is taking time for yourself each day. That's why I'm so glad to be partnering this year with Calm, the number one mental wellness app, to give you the tools that improve the way you feel. You can reduce stress and anxiety through guided meditations, improve focus with curated music tracks, and rest and recharge with Calm's imaginative sleep stories. They have them both for children and for adults. They even offer their new daily movement sessions, something new they've added in the last few months, specifically designed to relax your body and uplift your mind. And if you go to calm.com slash TPW, you'll get a special offer of 40% off a Calm premium subscription. That's the subscription that I pay for, and it's worth every penny. New content is added every week, so you never get bored with the resources available to you through the Calm app on your smartphone or other device. Over 100 million people around the world use Calm to take care of their minds, and Calm is ready to help you stress less, sleep more, and live a happier, healthier life. You know, on those particularly busy, stressful days, I am grateful for how Calm can help me take just a few minutes for myself to slow down, to breathe, to release that stress and tension, and reconnect with the moment. I especially appreciate the wide variety of guided meditations and breathing exercises available in the Calm app. And whether I have 30 minutes to take care of my mind or only 60 seconds to sort of regroup in the midst of a crazy day, there are options for me in that app. I can quickly search for what I need from the various categories. They make it very simple uh, because they've categorized and tagged the various meditations, guided meditations and things for things like stress, self-care, focus, inner peace, or work, just to name a few. It's a little pause for some self-care that can make a real difference during the rest of the day. And as I said, for listeners of The Productive Woman, Calm is offering an exclusive offer of 40% off their premium subscription at calm.com slash TPW. So go to calm.com, that's C-A-L-M dot com slash TPW to get 40% off unlimited access to Calm's entire library. 
Once again, that's calm.com slash TPW. All right. So one of the things that I worry about sometimes in hosting a podcast about productivity and talking about the things that we do, the productivity tools and tips and techniques, I have always worried a little bit about whether I'm contributing to something that a lot of us as women struggle with which is that feeling that to be productive women, we have to be doing all the things all the time. And even though on this podcast and in our community, we talk about productivity being more than just getting more stuff done, still there's this urge to fit more and more into our days. And that's an issue that comes up often in discussions with other women and in the materials I read about productivity. And I don't want to contribute to that. We, we often as women feel like we need to be doing all the stuff, whether it's working long hours to build our career or our business, or trying to be the perfect mother by participating in all the kids activities and, you know, coaching soccer or whatever the things might be while balancing our other relationships and a career and, and maybe throwing a side hustle in at the same time and still trying to maintain our body shape and health and appearance that we think we should have. Whatever opportunities come across our path, sometimes we feel like uh, we need to do it all or else we have failed. We struggle with that feeling. Even though intellectually we know that's not the case, it's still, it's out there that, and in the sort of in the, air around us. And I think in our thoughts a lot of the time. And on top of that, most of us feel, or many of us at least feel like we're regularly falling short of that ideal that we have in our mind of, of the person who can do it all. So I wanted to talk about that today, both because it's something that I deal with pretty often and have throughout my life. And because I know I'm not alone. I have conversations with women in the community and the productive woman community and other women that I know uh, where we talk about this, this feeling that other people are able to manage things better. They're doing it all. And if I'm not doing it all and doing it all well, then somehow I'm not measuring up. And so the question I've been pondering is where is the line between pursuing our endeavors, whatever they might be, uh, personal and professional, with excellence, and on the other side of that line, taking on that impossible ideal of doing it all. When is enough enough? And that was what I've been thinking about this week and what I wanted to talk about a little bit. So comparing, first of all, doing it all, what that means, the mindset that I think many of us have, that no matter how much we're doing at work, at home, in our relationships, in the world at large, we have this feeling that we should be doing more, or certainly that we should be doing it better. Often we can't even define what that more is. It's just this sense that other people are more on top of things, are doing more and contributing more, and we're not doing enough or we're not doing it right. In a a really good Psychology Today article that I read this week, clinical psychologist Diana Hill, PhD, talks about a concept called toxic productivity. And that 
phrase really caught my attention. I had not seen that before. And the way she describes it, she says, so the question is, when does productivity become toxic? And I think it's a great question because uh, obviously I think productivity is a good thing. I've spent the last, you know, almost five years or whatever it is, weekly talking about productivity and how we can be more productive in all the senses that we talk about it on the show. So when, as as Dr. Hill asks, when does productivity become toxic? Uh, she goes on to say, it can look different for each of us, but feeling burned out or having feelings of low self-worth such as people-pleasing or never feeling good enough and not living our truth or acting authentically are really good indicators that productivity has turned toxic. And so I ask you the question that I asked myself as I read that article. Does that resonate with you? Do you see that in your own life? Feeling burned out, feeling like you're not good enough or you're not able to be your authentic self because you need to be, you know, piling more and more onto yourself. In this article, and I will have a link to this in the show notes, I recommend it if this topic is of interest to you. But in the article, she quotes a poem called Productivity Anxiety by a person named Rupi Kaur, I think, Kaur, K-A-U-R. And here's what the poem says. I have this productivity anxiety that everyone else is working harder than me and I'm going to be left behind because I'm not working fast enough, long enough, and I'm wasting my time. And I read that and I, you know, I kind of, I found myself kind of nodding my head and choking up a little bit because that's, I have felt that on and off throughout my life. And you would think at this stage of my life, with all the time and energy I've spent studying productivity and, and talking about the fact that it's about more than getting lots and lots of stuff done, you'd think I'd kind of be beyond this, but I still recognized myself in this, this feeling as, as she says in the poem, that everyone else is working harder than me and I'm going to be left behind because I'm not working fast enough, long enough, and I'm wasting my time. If you can relate to that, if that you recognize yourself in that poem, you're not alone. Uh, this sense of not doing enough is an epidemic almost. In a 2020 Harvard Business Review article, which I'll also link in the show notes, the writer of that article cites a study by psychologists Thomas Curran and Andrew Hill Noting, and I'm quoting here, the two psychologists studied more than 40,000 American, British, and Canadian college students between 1989 and 2016 and found that perfectionism has increased dramatically over the last few decades. It's up 33% since 1989. So, and this was in 2016. I'm guessing it's it's continued to become a problem. But just between 1989 and 2016, it increased by a third. That's a pretty significant shift. And I mean, I can see that. We all see this, the, the depictions in the media, in movies and TV and, um, you know, on YouTube and everywhere else, these images of, of people who 
who are doing it all and doing it perfectly. And, you know, we're internalizing that. And that's what this article goes on to say. It says, we seem to be internalizing a contemporary myth that life should be perfect when in fact that is an impossible outcome and can contribute to serious anxiety and depression. Those who become preoccupied with perfection set themselves up for failure and psychological turmoil. We see that, don't we? We see that in ourselves. We see that in each other as we are trying to live up to this standard of perfection in how we run our lives. And so the consequences of this epidemic, of this mindset, are pretty serious. As as these psychologists found, we're setting ourselves up for failure and psychological turmoil. We feel inadequate and less than. And that has an ongoing impact on our ability to make a contribution in the world because we can't bring our best selves to anything that we're doing. If our minds are preoccupied, whether consciously or not, with condemnation for our perceived shortfalls, for the things that we're not doing or not doing well enough. So when we are have, have set ourselves up with this idea that we should be doing it all and doing it well, we, we feel inadequate. Whether we can put our finger on it or not, that's what's causing that because of these thoughts we're having about what we're not doing. And we wear ourselves out trying to do it all, to maintain a perfect spotless home, uh, perfectly decorated for each season or whatever. Uh, We hold ourselves responsible for the happiness and well-being of our kids and our spouse and our friends and our parents and everybody else. We do all the things at work, uh, always saying yes, never saying, turning down a project or uh, from our superiors or from our clients. And a lot of us will take on a side hustle because we feel we should. We can't allow ourselves any downtime. We need to be accomplishing all the things all the time. And we wear ourselves out. Um, Dr. Hill in that Psychology Today article that I mentioned earlier says, Thoughts that we aren't doing enough can drive us to act in ways that don't align with what really matters to us. We subconsciously keep ourselves busy by compulsively working so we might avoid dealing with issues in our current reality. The paradox of productivity is that being productive helps us reach our goals, but also can derail us from our dreams. And I I thought that was really a profound statement. Productivity, all these tools and tips and techniques and things that we've talked about on and off over the years on this podcast, they can help us achieve our goals. But if the goals that we have set for ourselves are driven by this conscious or unconscious belief that we've got to do it all, then, then that productivity can derail us from actually achieving our dreams. Um, especially if the goals we're setting actually aren't in alignment with the things that we dream of uh, when we're quiet, when we allow ourselves to be quiet. So what is the cure? If if those are the consequences of this this need to do it all or this belief that we've got to do it all, what is the cure 
to avoid this, these feelings of inadequacy, the, the exhaustion and wearing ourselves out and the sacrifice of our dreams to the, to the sort of God of productivity of, of doing all the stuff. Well, the cure is to learn to set more realistic and reasonable expectations for ourselves. And that's simply said, but not easily achieved, right? The truth is, we don't have to go through our days feeling like we're falling short. We don't have to do it all in order to uh, bring value to the world and create a life that matters. As one busy professional mom puts it in um, a Harvard Business Review article that I think I mentioned a minute ago, uh, she says, I've come to believe that the difference between going to bed feeling content or disappointed at the end of the day has a lot to do with the expectations we set for ourselves. And I agree. If we lie in bed at night feeling like we didn't measure up, we didn't make it because we didn't, you know, cross off everything on our to-do list and we didn't uh, put in a stellar performance at work and at home and in our marriage and with our friends and, and as a citizen and all those things, could it be that maybe the expectations we have set for ourselves are a little too high and a little too unrealistic? This professional mom in this article recommends that instead of aiming for perfection, we need to aim for happiness. And that, she says in the article, is her goal every day, but she has to remind herself that that's her goal pretty often. And I, I smiled when I read that because isn't that the goal? Don't we want to create a life that we are happy in, that both for ourselves and for the good of everybody around us and seeking perfection, seeking to do it all is pretty much antithetical to achieving happiness on a day-to-day basis. And so if we start to rethink what we're shooting for in a given day, and if the goal becomes to be happy now, and, and I do have to say, I don't believe we're going to feel happy every minute of every day. I don't think we're meant to. I think if we don't have downtimes, if we don't have struggles, we, we don't know what happiness is except in, by comparison to unhappiness, right? But nevertheless, the goal is, I think, an overarching sense of happiness and of joy with our lives that we we probably are not going to achieve if we are, if we go into the day trying to do all the things. If we start by reminding ourselves today, I want to be happy. What am I going to need to do to be happy? I, I think that can make a big difference in how we feel at the end of the day. So the idea of setting more realistic and reasonable expectations and standards for ourselves, I think starts with becoming more conscious and aware of our feelings in this area and where they come from. Sometimes this, this sense of feeling like you should be doing more, or you're not doing enough, or you're not doing well enough, you, you don't even articulate it. It's just something that's floating kind of in the back of your mind and clouding your day. But if we start to become more aware of our feelings, we can start to take action to uh, to change those feelings. Because remember, our feelings come 
not from our circumstances, but from the thoughts we are having about life around us. And so if we start by paying attention when those thoughts come, oh, I should have done that better. Oh, I should have said yes here. Oh, I've got to do more here. When we can identify those thoughts, we can start to think about them, evaluate them and decide whether they are serving us or whether we want to think something differently. And so for instance, when you realize you're having a thought that you should be doing more in, in any given area, whether it's at work, at home, in your relationships, uh, in your, in your physical self-care, whatever it is, when you recognize that you're having that thought, maybe you can start to ask yourself some questions. Um, one of them being is what is the more that you feel you should be doing? Make it something concrete instead of this sort of vague, amorphous feeling I should be doing more. What is the more? What, if, if you were going to do more, what would it be? And why do you feel you should be doing that more? What benefit would come from doing it? What benefit to yourself or to others? And is there another way you can get that benefit without adding more onto your plate? Uh, thinking through these things, maybe journaling them, but at least thinking about them, uh, you know, intentionally can make a huge difference. Similarly, on a, on a kind of a bigger picture level, do some thinking about the expectations and standards that you set for yourself. And by that, I mean, in each area of your life, and professional, uh, your, your role as a mother, your marriage or other relationships, personal care, whatever. What does success in that area mean to you? What would it look like? How would you define success in your career? How would you define success in your marriage or uh, romantic relationships or as a mother or it, it, as a citizen of your country? how would you define success in that? What would be the, if you were going to do it all, if you're going to achieve success there, what would that look like? And then ask yourself, where do you think that definition came from? Is that something you've created intentionally or is it something you have absorbed from the world around you, from your upbringing uh, as a child? And even more important, do you like that definition and is it actually achievable for you? And do you want to achieve that? Or can you define it differently in a way that is resonant with the things that you really value, the things that are most important to you and uh, make it something that's achievable without completely burning yourself out? So that's all about becoming more conscious of the thoughts that we are having uh, when we are thinking we should be doing more and defining ourselves by what we do. Following on this is managing our thoughts. And as I've said before, guarding your heart, uh, protecting what goes in from creating thoughts that create this feeling of inadequacy. And so for me, the first thing is to avoid comparison, avoid comparing yourself to other people. We've talked on and off about how we can learn from each other, but we shouldn't be measuring ourselves by what other people do or what we think they're doing. Uh, what I thought was interesting uh, was in one article that I read today 
written by an entrepreneur kind of talking about entrepreneurship, but it applies across the board. This writer said something that really made me stop and think because I'm kind of big on getting inspired by seeing what other people are doing. But she says in this article, if you're feeling especially rough, that is, and this is an article about how to get over the feeling that you're never doing enough. And so if you're struggling with that, she says, if you're feeling especially rough, avoid inspiration from others. And that, you know, that made me pause for a minute because I'm, I'm big on getting inspiration from other people. But, and so my, she talks about specific kinds of things, but my paraphrase of, of it was, the idea of avoiding inspiration from others is get off those inspirational blogs and websites and podcasts and YouTube channels. The article says temporarily delete Instagram from your smartphone, hide the smartphone, shove it down the sofa. Don't go to creative talks to hear from people you admire or who run successful businesses. Um, this article was about design professionals. Um, <laughs> hide your phone and don't or, well, what the article says is hide for a little while from all that stuff that's creating these expectations. The article goes on to say, give your brain some breathing space, be alone and ignore everyone else to stop the endless comparison. You'll find your anxiety starts to lift when you're not constantly being bombarded by, quote, greatness. And the article says, in the words of Pablo Picasso, without great solitude, no serious work is possible. And I thought this is really a, a, a great recommendation. Like I said, it kind of, it made me pause for a minute because I am big on getting inspiration from other people, things I read, things I watch. But if we are in that sort of loop of comparing ourselves and coming up short all the time, there is some real value in walking away and isolating ourselves from all those inputs that are creating, you know, leading to those thoughts that make us feel that way. And I like the idea that we give our brain some breathing space. We're being too, too inspired to the point that we're comparing ourselves and can't help but come up short. So I love that idea. Avoid comparison. That's the first thing to managing our thoughts. And then learn to be okay with doing enough. This is another part of the cure for this drive to do it all that, that is wearing us out and wearing us down. Learn to be okay with doing enough. Believe that enough is enough and focus on what's most important to you. Recognizing that quality matters more than quantity in almost every area of life. One article that I read called Dispelling the I'm Not Doing Enough Myth had put it this way, even though we feel constantly compelled to do all the things because of external pressure, instead of asking ourselves, how can I cram more into today? What if instead we asked, what is most important for today? Or what could I remove or not do that would give me some relief in this moment? When we take the pressure off of ourselves and focus our attention on what really matters, it opens space for more creativity and for our inner wisdom. 
We don't need to do as much as we think we do. And I really liked that idea that uh, as we go into our day, focus on what, not how much can I get done today, but what is most important and define those standards for yourself. The next part of the cure, I guess, is to learn to appreciate and internalize the value of small actions. Making a life that matters doesn't have to involve filling every minute of every day with important, big, audacious achievements. Small things that we can do make a big difference. We don't have to, you know, have huge events to show the people we love that we love them. Another article that I read talks about a book called The Power of Focus and says the authors in this book talk about how everything in life is built on tiny little actions. Good friendships flourish from small efforts, sending a text, sharing a meme, or meeting up for coffee. Over time, these little things build a closer relationship. Other relationships dwindle because you stop texting, stop checking in, or get into an argument and don't attempt to smooth it over. Each positive action you take is a building block. The small things you're doing, no matter how perfect or imperfect they are, actually are worthwhile. Whatever you're doing is enough. And I think that's such a good reminder for all of us. Obviously, in this example or in this quote, it's talking about how you can build friendships from small efforts. You don't have to take on huge tasks or big dramatic gestures or big events or anything to build a friendship or a marriage or, you know, your relationships with your kids. It's the small things that we do all the time that matter over time, much more than the big stuff that we take on. So learning to appreciate and internalize the value of those small actions can help relieve the pressure on us to do all the things and do all the big things and be uh, okay with and actually grateful for the chance to do small little things a, a little bit at a time. And finally, give yourself credit for what you actually do. That is, celebrate what you do instead of focusing on what you don't. And this, I think, is really important for us. We are much more prone, many of us, to paying attention to all the things that we think we should do that we haven't done, and we don't give ourselves credit or recognize all the things that we do. And that can lead to this feeling that you're not doing enough, um, that there's more that you should be doing. Uh, one article that said, put it this way, every time you think that you should be doing more is actually a beautiful opportunity to shine a light inside yourself and ask, hmm, in what way am I not honoring or believing that I am enough right now? Try taking a few deep breaths and repeating an affirmation such as, I'm imperfect and I'm enough. Then acknowledge and appreciate what you've done that day by thinking of three things you did do or three things you appreciate about yourself. Include things such as, I made my daughter laugh, or I sent an email back to that person who reached out last week. These might seem like small actions, 
but we deserve credit for taking the action. And I think the point of this, as I you know, thought about it, is both what I was just saying about the importance of those small actions, that they do matter, but, but the point is that we do enough. Most of us are doing more than we actually give ourselves credit for. We think we need to do it all, but I think most of us are doing enough. Only you can measure that for yourself, of course, in any given area. Am I committing to it what it really needs? And thinking through all the questions we've asked ourselves, um, you know, in relationships, we think we have in our mind the things that we need to do, for instance, to be a good mother or to be a good good spouse or to be a good employee or whatever. But sometimes maybe there's some benefit in asking that person, what, what can I do to show you that I love you? What does a good mom mean to you? When I'm being a good mom, what am I doing? I guess is another way of asking that question. Ask those people instead of piling more things on ourselves and thinking we have to be doing more, uh, we might be surprised. And I guess I would say, remember that the, the purpose of learning about productivity tools and techniques isn't to be able to cram more into every day, but to help us work efficiently and effectively to do the things that we choose on purpose to do as part of making a life that matters as we each define it for herself. And I, I think I forget that. I, you know, I do this podcast and I talk about these things every week, but in my day-to-day life, I can forget that. The point isn't to get more done in any given day. We don't have to do it all. There are uh, lots of things that we don't need to do at all, probably, but we can talk more about productivity tools and techniques and delegation and all those things that can get other people involved for some of the things that need to be done. But the point of being productive or learning all these tools isn't to get more stuff done, but to be efficient and effective at the things that we are doing and to choose on purpose those things uh, that will contribute to making a life that matters as we define it. I guess at the end of the day, I do want to say, no matter how full your schedule is, if you're satisfied and happy with how you're spending your time and you're feeling good about your life, my point in this episode isn't to tell you to do less. What I'm actually hoping to encourage us all to do is to be aware and more intentional about the expectations and standards we set for ourselves in our personal and professional endeavors so that the life we're making is a life we actually feel good in. So these are some of my thoughts on that. I'd love to know what you think. Um, are you trying to do it all or are you, uh, have you created a life in which you're doing enough as you define enough? Are you happy with the way you're structuring your life and the things you're pursuing and the way you're pursuing them? I'd love to know your thoughts on this. You can share your ideas, your questions, and so on in the comment section of the show notes for this episode, which you will find at theproductivewoman.com slash 408 or post a comment or question on the Productive Woman Facebook page. 
As always, if you're a member of the Productive Woman Community Facebook group, that is a great place for us to continue to encourage and, and provoke thought amongst our, the community about these topics. If you prefer to share your thoughts with me privately, you can always email those questions, comments, or suggestions to me at feedback at theproductivewoman.com. And uh, that is it, I think. Remember, for listeners of this podcast, Calm is offering an exclusive offer of 40% off a Calm premium subscription at calm.com slash tpw. That's C-A-L-M dot com slash TPW for 40% off unlimited access to their ever-growing library. Uh, do check them out at calm.com slash TPW. And let me know if you tried it and, and uh, you know, what you think. And so that is it for this episode of The Productive Woman. Thank you so much for spending this time with me. I look forward to talking with you again very soon. So until next time, remember... Extend grace to each other. That's really the first thing, right? Extend grace to each other and to yourself and go make your life matter.